you know, up until recently, vertebrogenic pain, while it's existed since the, the beginning of time, nobody knew that it was there, right? right? So we first have to create an understanding of vertebrogenic pain and how to diagnose the patients and then help them to understand and be confident on how to use this novel, you know, minimally invasive therapy to treat that pain. The Medical Alley Podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. We've got a fun one today. We're joined by one of the fast-growing, fast-scaling, and incredibly high-impact medical technology companies in the community. We're going to have a little bit of conversation about a, a topic that you know some of the listeners might actually be familiar with, uh, namely issues around back pain and innovative technology. And so I'm so pleased to be joined today by Tyler Binney, who's the CEO of Relievant Med Systems. Tyler, maybe you could start with, uh, tell us a little bit about Relievant and about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Frank. And uh, first off, just want to thank Medical Alley for allowing us to participate in this podcast series. Uh, so just to give you a little bit about Relievant Med Systems. So we were founded back in 2006 our headquarters is in Minneapolis, and we actually just moved into a new building in a dyno. Nice. Uh, but we actually have two buildings in two locations. Our original office was in Sunnyvale, California, and that's where our uh, R&D operations and quality teams currently reside. But, but National Headquarters is in Minneapolis, and uh, we just surpassed 200 employees. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so we've been fast growing and and... These employees are dedicated to our vision, which is to provide life-changing relief to transform the diagnosis and the treatment for vertebrogenic pain. And that is a specific type of debilitating chronic lower back pain that our procedure, which is called the intercept procedure, specifically addresses. And I was just going to say, you know, this procedure that the company developed is the only therapy of its kind that treats this type of chronic lower back pain. And it's been 17 years in the making to get to this point with two randomized controlled trials uh, validating that this therapy is safe and durable and efficacious for the patients that that suffer from this type of back pain. And so it, it truly is a game changer. Indeed. And I, and I want to talk about the clinical piece in a minute. Maybe to start... Um... I mean, th this is a big issue in healthcare, right? Like, how big of an issue are we talking about when we say, like, chronic low back pain and the, the vertebral pain specifically that you guys address? 
Yeah, great question. So I underappreciated because I'm not a back pain sufferer myself, just how big of an issue this is. So just in the United States alone, there are 30 million patients who suffer from chronic lower back pain, and they've been suffering from this pain for greater than six months. And the reality is these patients don't receive adequate relief from conventional therapy. You know, they go through this perpetual flywheel of therapies of opioid usage and steroid injections and physical therapy, but they keep coming back round and round because they're not getting the kind of care that they need. And so, you know, for these patients, for 30 million patients, you know, you can imagine the impact on quality of life for these patients. And it's, you know, affects their, their, their physical health, but it also affects their mental health. And so we've all heard in the news about how the opioid addiction epidemic has been a big issue in the United States. Well, chronic lower back pain has been a big contributor to that. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's a huge market. There's lots of patients that, that need help and they're not receiving relief. And of those 30 million patients, there's approximately 5 million of those that suffer from vertebrogenic pain as their primary source of, of chronic lower back pain. Interesting. I mean, that even that 5 million, that's a pretty big chunk of people. And when you think of the, the demand that would then drive for opioids and the harms we all know that that can cause, that's a significant, significant clinical issue. So what is it then that you guys do, or what, what is it then that the intercept procedure brings to these patients? So I guess the best way to answer that question is to first understand vertebrogenic pain. So if you go with me for just a moment on the basic lines. <laughs> so as we all age, this degeneration occurs. And as that process and that cascade occurs, it's important to note that the disc is not the only structure that's degenerating. So on each side of your spine, you have vertebrae and those vertebrae degenerate also as part of this whole degeneration process. And the end plates of the vertebral bodies uh, are the ones that start to have stress fractures in the bone itself. And those fractures allow the disc material to interact with the bone marrow in the vertebral body. And that triggers an inflammatory response. Mm. So the, the reality is that the disc and the bone marrow were never meant to interact with one another. And it's that inflammatory process that is the pain generator that creates the pain for vertebrogenic pain. Mm -hmm. And so in every vertebral body in your spine, you have a nerve that's called the basivertebral nerve. And that nerve picks up the pain signals generated by this inflammation, transmits it to the brain as pain. And what makes our therapy unique is that intracept is a minimally invasive procedure that targets and ablates this specific nerve to block the pain signals to the brain. And therefore, that's how these patients receive the pain relief uh, that they so desperately deserve. And so the, the, the interesting part is that this nerve does not regenerate. And oh. so, so it's been proven in our clinical data that these patients receive sustained pain relief out to five years. And the type of pain that these patients uh, struggle with is something in layman's terms is called forward flexion pain. So that would be they experience this pain when they're doing things like leaning forward, bending, you know, to tie their shoes or sitting for a long period of time, driving a car. But in addition to that clinical presentation of the pain, 
We also are unique in the world of chronic lower back pain in that we have a objective radiographic biomarker wow. that, that is viewed on MRI and it actually detects that inflammation process that I was just speaking about. Um, and so it's the combination of that clinical presentation plus the radiographic diagnosis uh, that really helps these physicians isolate which patients could most benefit from the intercept procedure. And so that hopefully helps differentiate uh, intercept and basovertebral nerve ablation uh, and vertebrogenic pain uh, from all the other types of uh, therapies that, that somebody might need for the various types of chronic lower back pain. Oh, it's fascinating. And that, I mean, that's a, a very advanced, like, clinical dynamic that you guys have developed. And it maybe then makes a bit of sense why the, the company has been around for so long and now is getting to this point of rapid scale up. And one of the things that struck me when I first learned about the company was the length and size of the clinical trials that you guys had done to demonstrate the safety, the efficacy, and the durability of the efficacy could you maybe talk a little bit about that that clinical trial program and, and why the company invested so much time, really like delaying itself onto the market until it had that incredibly high bar of evidence? That is a fantastic question. And, and I guess I'll start by saying that we're very proud of our clinical data and our evidence portfolio because it validates the, the incredible impact that Intercept has for these patients. And you know, having worked for multiple venture-backed companies, you know, I'll tell you that very few startup companies commit the time and the resource <laughs> to complete just one long-term randomized trial, much less two. And the company was committed uh, to doing uh, two different trials for, for different reasons, and I'll explain in a moment why. Uh, the first randomized control trial was versus was a sham control trial, uh, and that was to receive FDA approval for the therapy. Uh, but we knew, especially in the chronic lower back pain space and, and it, that and in spine, uh, because there have been so many therapies that have come and promised the world, but have not lived up to those expectations and ultimately failed, that we needed to do another trial because it would be the combination of sham controlled RCT and the second one, which was versus conventional therapy, uh, which was actually, which would be opioids and steroid injections and in, in what a physician would conventionally offer to a patient as a first line. And we actually were pro proven to be superior to conventional mm -hmm. therapy in that trial. We, we felt like we needed both of those to garner the physician society support uh, to help us advocate for a category one code for the, for the therapy, because it's one thing to get a code and that's, that's a heavy lift, but then to get appropriate payment assigned to that code and then to get, you know, widespread payer coverage for the therapy, it wouldn't have been achieved without that commitment uh, to doing the clinical research. And so while it was a huge investment and it was a long journey, um, it, these trials led to the establishment of a brand new ICD-10 code, uh, which is a new diagnosis code for validating vertebrogenic pain as a specific type of chronic lower back pain. It led to us getting our Category 1 CPT code, which went into place in 2022. Appropriate payment was assigned to the code. Um, and then, of course, the incredible society support to help us advocate with the payers 
to get the coverage. And so I applaud the relieving team, the, the board of directors you know, to stick with it. Right. You know, despite the huge investment of time and resources to make sure that we build it the right way, which is why there's so much support for Intercept nationwide. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have a history of taking the long, hard road, mm-hmm. but it ultimately is going to lead to us providing this life-changing relief for these patients who so desperately need this therapy. Right on. And that, like, that right there, I think for our audience, that's the positive punchline in it of if the need is significant, if the innovation is real, and if you invest the time and effort to build that level of evidence, you can go and deliver versus you know, sometimes companies try to stretch it out, get by on less. And it probably maybe didn't feel this way at the time. I suspect the pathway you guys took was probably the most efficient way to now get to the point you're at today. And I'd be curious, you know, now that you have this evidence, you have the support, the ICD-10 is there. You know, there's, I won't say there's a, the wind at your backs yet because I know how hard all of this is. You know, what are the challenges that you guys work on today? How do you think about the, the next phase of the company? Yeah, great question. So we are in our full commercial launch phase, mm-hmm. uh, and we're focused right now on two things, uh, accelerating commercial execution uh, and also commercial widespread commercial coverage from the payers. And that ultimately is going to help us achieve market adoption and make Intercept part of the standard of care for the treatment of chronic lower back pain. And so to do that, it's just important to note what we're trying to do. We're not just trying to go into an existing market and an existing disease state and say, hey, we have a new therapy to treat that disease state. You know, up until recently, vertebrogenic pain, while it's existed since the the beginning of time, nobody knew that it was there, right? right? So we first have to create an understanding of vertebrogenic pain and how to diagnose the patients and then help them to understand and be confident on how to use this novel, you know, minimally invasive therapy to treat that pain. And so at the end of the day, it it all comes down to execution. But as you said, not that all the risk has been retired, but now that most of the science and the clinical and the reimbursement and the, and the clinical validation of the therapy risk, all of that risk has been retired. It all comes down to execution. And in a world where you've got a lot of market pressures to, to do lots of things as fast as you possibly can, we just can't lose sight of you know, what we're trying to do. And what we're ultimately trying to do is create physician champions who truly adopt the therapy, right? Because champion physicians who adopt the therapy get great patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you if you allow me for just a moment, I want to share with you a story. So I was at a recent medical conference and sat down next to one of our new Intercept physician users. Mm-hmm. I just asked him an open-ended question, never met this physician before. And I just said, so tell me about your experience with Intercept. And he said, well, I want to tell you about my first patient. I said, okay. And he said, "My this patient has been on opioids for 17 years. Oh. And this, this lady has been my patient for the past 15 years. And he said, I've done everything that I could think of to help her get off of her opioids. And he said, I did intercept on her about six months ago. 
And he said, she came back for her three-month follow-up. And I saw her in the exam room and I said, hey, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she reached into her purse and she grabbed her bottle of opioids. It was a full bottle of opioids. And she handed it to me and she said, here you go. I'm pain-free and I don't need these anymore. And I just, it, it gave me chills when he told me yeah. that story. And, and then he said to me, he said, Tyler, he goes, have you ever taken opioids? And I said, well, actually, uh, when I had my wisdom teeth out in college, I had to take them for a couple of days. And he goes, well, how did you feel when you're on them? And I was like, I think I slept for the whole time. And maybe when I was awake, I was in a cloud and, and, and disoriented. And he said, can you imagine being on opioids for 17 years and having that feeling every day of your life? And I said, no, sir, I, I can't. And he said, you need to remember this story every time when the, the going gets tough, because that is the type of thing that's going to change the world because you're changing patients' lives. And so, you know, I get stories like that all the time. Uh, that's just one example of, of yeah. these incredible patients' testimonials. Thank you for sharing that because it, it's a good reminder of why this work matters and the level of transformation you're talking about there, right? That one person's life is truly better. And now you're multiplying that every day with new patients. It's a it's the kind of thing that gives me hope for the bigger picture of healthcare. As expensive as it has got, the challenges we see in access and quality, there are innovators, there are companies that are bit by bit making it better. I appreciate you sharing that. And you it can be hard. It is hard. We get asked by a lot of our entrepreneur members who are earlier in this journey and they're working to get to that place that you guys are at now. I'm just curious, two pieces. One, you talked about working with the physician societies and driving that broader adoption. Could you maybe expand on that a little bit of what was involved in that and how it went? And then same thing now on the payer side and working with the payer community and getting the appropriate coverage policies. We get asked about both of those things a lot. What's it like day to day for a company going through those processes? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in, in, in that <laughs> question. If you'll let me ramble for just a moment, uh, I'll, I'll start on society support. So obviously it's absolutely critical uh, mm -hmm. if you're hoping to uh, create a new standard of care in medicine, right? And so um, if we didn't have NAS and the, and the NAS Society support, um, and NAS is the North American Spine Society, which is a very well-respected society. If we didn't have them leading the effort to get us to sponsor a code for this technology, we never would have received a code. Mm. Uh, we'd be stuck in purgatory right now. Um, so, you know, just from a coding perspective, it's critical. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, I put uh, medical society support really into two buckets. You, you need their help on the clinical side and the coverage side. And so I would, I would say two buckets. The first would be you want to get treatment guideline support to help create care pathways for physicians to know how to triage patients to the appropriate therapy. The second bucket I'd say is you, you want to garner coverage guidelines that stand up and say, we validate the clinical data, we validate the, uh, the medical necessity for this procedure, and this should be a covered benefit 
from CM, you know, Medicare, from private payers, et cetera. And so we've been fortunate. And again, it all comes back to having the clinical data um, to right. But we've been fortunate to actually receive uh, guidelines that address both of those buckets. And so back last year, uh, the Aspen Society, which is another prominent interventional pain society, they published treatment guidelines for Intracept specifically to help clinicians to easily diagnose the appropriate patients for the Mm -hmm. therapy and fit Intracept into a treatment algorithm uh, so that they can very easily diagnose, treat uh, patients with chronic lower back pain. But then we also on the on the clinical or excuse me, on the the coverage recommendation side, uh, NAS and another spine society called ISAS just published a coverage recommendation guidelines saying that the body of evidence for intercept warrants payer coverage for the procedure. And as you can imagine, that goes a long way to helping us generate the kind of support that we need, to go to the payers and say, come on, guys, it's time to start paying for this therapy. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that, you, you know, I've talked about cutting corners. You know, there's been that reputation in spine and pain that their industry has, has been cutting corners, trying to take the shortcuts or the short path to success. And ultimately, you know, these societies and these physicians, they've been burned before. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got to do it the right way. They can sniff out an imposter really, really quickly. And I think because we've done it the right way, we've been able to get and maintain and sustain this kind of level of support across uh, multiple societies, multiple specialties. I know I'm rambling, but but no. you also asked about reimbursement. So do you Please. want me to take a minute talking about that? Please. So I guess I use the phrase in the world of reimbursement, it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of never know what you're going to get, right? And there's no silver bullet for working with the payer community. And I think it's important just to call out a reality. You know, payers generally don't like covering new technology. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they throw up roadblocks as long as they can, despite, you know, the wealth of data and society support and physician demand and patient demand. Why? Because let's face it, they're for-profit organizations and it's hard to maximize your profits if you have to constantly cover new technology and procedures. So the bottom line is it's a process and it's, it's not a linear process. And so it takes a multi-pronged approach. It's, it's a top-down bottoms up from the side all around uh, approach. Right. And, and, you know, the table stakes that you got to start with is you got to have the safety and efficacy for the therapy. You've got to have long-term durable clinical data. Um, you need to have coding and payment established, and then you can start going down the payer coverage road. But you got to have that physician support. You got to have the patient demand, the society support, all that I've been talking about. And then you also have to have a little bit of luck because gaining access to the payers, especially in this post-COVID world, it's become a challenge to get an audience with the payers to even have a chance to state your case. And so, and so, so often these these uh, medical directors or these policies are making health policy decisions based on outdated clinical data or misinformation. Uh, yeah, which slows the process down even further. And so, finding the way in the door to make sure that they have all of the information to make 
the, the right decision for medical necessity and for, for health policy is important. So it's a multi-step process, but at the end of the day, you can't get discouraged, right? You, you mm-hmm. tie it back to that patient story that I told you about. Keep that front and center, right? Because that gives you the ability to persevere with the grit and the determination that you need yeah. to leave no stone unturned and to fight these battles. Because at the end of the day, if we don't get universal coverage, there's 5 million patients out there that that are suffering like that patient that was on opioids for 17 years who aren't going to have access to this therapy. So obviously... Access to care is a huge issue in in healthcare today, but you know, fortunately, we've been able to make significant progress in that area. Right on, and and well said. Like for the for all of our listeners out there, big companies, small companies, like hear that progression of high quality evidence in large markets where there's significant clinical need, building the society support, and then doing the work with the payers, cognizant of the challenges, right? Confront the brutal realities of it. And you can march it forward in a very positive way. And Tyler, I think that might be a good place to wrap it up and say, thank you for sharing a bit of the journey of Relieve and both the, the impact to patients and some perspective on how you guys have got there. Uh, really proud to have you guys as a part of this community and helping to make patients' lives better. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to share our story. Uh, as, as I I feel that you appreciate, right, um, the, the great work that we're doing. And, and I do believe that, um, you know, we're going to change the world one patient, one practice, you know, one physician at a time uh, with this therapy. And so we we're uh, we're a committed group of people and we're excited about uh, uh, the, the purpose and the, and the challenge ahead. Indeed. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. And folks out there in the audience, thank you for listening to this episode. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you check out medicalalleypodcast.org. Or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And do me one little favor. Would you share this episode with just one person? Help spread this story and so many other great stories coming out of the Medical Alley community It'll help expand our reach and expand your reach. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great day.